Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. Asking ourselves, why are we feeling this way? Like, is it that we're connected through their art? Mm -hmm. You know, is it that they remind us of someone else in our life? And that's what's bringing up the emotion. Interesting. Is it that it's making us think about our own current circumstances and that's bringing up the emotion? Or is it that it's a reminder of a tragedy that we may have recently experienced? Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're We're your hosts. Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey girl, hey, it's Terry here from the Her Space Podcast. Every Wednesday, I release a Wisdom Wednesday mini episode that'll give you the quick boost you need to get you through hump day. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click the Wisdom Wednesday with Terry link under start here to get your weekly gems. I hope to see you there. Our quote of the day, it's a long one, so get ready for it. It's uncomfortable to raise the worst thing someone has ever done when that someone dies and when they are beloved. And I suppose it matters that I write this as someone who thinks that very, very few of us are all good or all bad. Few of us are saintly, even fewer irredeemable. We can admire aspects of a person's talent without erasing the ways in which they also did irreparable damage. We can be horrified and angry by what someone did without writing them off as worthless, without seeing them go away to jail, to the grave, and saying good riddance. We can, we must, assess the ways in which the rich and famous are able to exploit our admiration of their talents to pound into the ground anyone who might threaten their fame and reputation. How they so often bypass accountability and we just let them because, well, they're so talented or so attractive or their politics line up with ours or they handle a ball so well. And that quote comes to us from Jill Filipovich. Now, lady, if you're listening, at the time that this episode is airing, then you know that this quote is in reference to the loss of Kobe Bryant. Now, the thing about 
this episode today is we had something else on the agenda. And after Dom and I were chatting during dinner, it was just on our mind, you know, and we were like, you know what? Let's dive into it because it's probably on your mind too. You're probably having some complicated feelings come up, some mixed emotions, and we thought it'd be wise to just dive into the conversation. Let's have a conversation about this because it's on the minds of many people around the world, and I think it's an important conversation that needs to be had. And so maybe we should just dive in first with like, where were you when you heard the news and kind of like, what were your initial thoughts when you got the news about Kobe Bryant's passing in addition to his daughter and the other passengers that were on the helicopter? So for me, I was having a relaxing Sunday, a chill kind of lazy Sunday that I hadn't had in a while. And I got the news alert across my phone, like the notification on my phone. And when I got it, my initial reaction was, this can't be real. Something's not right. But I immediately, like a lot of us, went to, like, opened up my phone, went to Twitter. Twitter's my general go-to and couldn't really find anything. Then I went to Google and there's all kinds of other things coming up. Like they were talking about LeBron passing Kobe on the night before and Kobe's tweet to him. And, and so that came up, but nothing about his death. So I was like, all right, it's not, it's not real. You know, I text my best friend and she's like, yeah, that's no, no, no. Let's I'm not seeing it anywhere. And so then my next thought was I'll just wait to see what other reputable news outlets report if this is real. And I kept refreshing and kept refreshing. And I found myself caught up in just trying to absorb the news, like see what was going on. And throughout the day, as I kept like I like eventually I had to get up and like go on about my day run errands and things like that. But I kept coming back to like refreshing news. And as more information kept coming out, it just got harder to take in. And I just I mean, and there were multiple, there were a few times where I found myself crying. And the reality is that I was not a fan of Kobe. Right. My initial thought was, he's arrogant. I respect him as a ball player, but overall, like I wasn't a fan because I thought he was arrogant. But then after his retirement and I saw how he was coaching his daughter's basketball team and becoming more involved in that way and advocating for women in basketball, and I started to soften up to him. But I think it was... Despite how I, my overall feelings for him were, it was still shocking. Like, it's just so, it was just really shocking. What about for you, T? Well, I will say I'm not a basketball fan. I don't really follow sports like that. But I mean, I think we all, we've all know the greats. Like, we all know the legends. And so, obviously, I'm familiar with Kobe Bryant in that regard. But for me, I was actually, you know, I've had this date on my calendar for the longest, January 26th. Mm-hmm. And I was actually scheduled to do a documentary, to film a documentary about 
failure and success. And so I was like really excited about the 26th and I was actually on my way to go get my makeup done and I was heading out of the house and my husband was like, oh my gosh, I just saw this thing, this news article and it said that Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, what? And I was just like, it just, it's, it was just like, what? No, that can't be true. And so I started searching as well and I had to run out the door. So I'm like waiting for my lift. So I get in the car and I'm just like searching online. But again, I only see one article from like TMZ and it's like, you know, Kobe Bryant passed away. You know, he survived by his four daughters is what I saw in his wife. And so I was just like, oh, damn, that's so crazy. Like kind of in shock. And mm-hmm. it just feels so unbelievable when you see, you know, certain celebrities pass away because they're just, I don't know, they're just always in our face. And sometimes they kind of feel and seem a bit invincible in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember exactly where I was when like Michael Jackson passed away or when Aaliyah passed away or when Nipsey Hussle passed away. And these were all moments that I just will remember forever. And I felt so connected. I didn't know them personally. I never met them, but like, I just felt like I was so connected to them and their, their legacies. And so I was searching for it. And as the case began to develop, I heard about his daughter being on the helicopter in addition to other friends and family. And it was just like, oh my goodness, you know, like other families that were on the helicopter as well. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so tragic, you know, just taking his daughter to the game and having the kids waiting for them there. It was just really sad. And so as I was getting my makeup done, I couldn't even really concentrate. Me and the makeup artists were talking about it. And I was like text, you know, texting people. People were texting me about it, seeing social media posts. And, you know, once I got my makeup finished, I got in a lift to go back home. And the lift driver was like, did you hear about it? And so we were talking on the way back home. And he was just really, you know, it was just really somber, just a very heavy sort of energy. He had the radio on and we were listening to Sports Center kind of talk about the things that were developing. And when I got home, I'm like, well, the thing about it is life still goes on, right? Right. The world keeps spinning and it's sad, but it's the reality of it. And so I, in that moment, I had to get my mind right. Like, okay, I'm about to be on camera. I have to talk about my life and, you know, kind of be positive and be on. And so I just did a quick meditation. I lit some incense and, you know, smudged my place to clear my energy and kind of pray and meditate and get my mind right. And even the people that came to my house, the producers that came there, they were talking about it too. It was just like, yeah, life is short. So I think it was just really sad. And it's just a reminder that life is so precious. You just never know when your time is, you know? You really don't. You really, none of us truly do. But I want us to talk about something that is complicated, right? As I found myself on Twitter that evening, just kind of like, just reading what people are saying, the conversation that came up was about the rape case and a lot of survivors saying we should also be calling attention to and not forgetting that he raped someone and we need to be mindful and we need to be thinking about what she might be experiencing right now, constantly hearing his name in the media. As I was reading this, I had a lot of mixed emotions. I found myself being torn. And I could imagine that there are a lot of other people out there who are also feeling torn. And so I want us to dive into those complicated feelings because at least for me, when, as I was reading this, the things that were coming up for me were a yes and. Yes, we do need to keep in mind that he did admit 
to raping this woman, right? And that we know that for survivors of assault, that hearing the name of their perpetrator, seeing pictures, images of their perpetrator being brought to their attention can be very triggering. And his family is grieving. Is this something that we need to be calling attention to on the day that he died? And um, for those, I wasn't actually familiar with the case. I heard, you know, we were younger. I heard about it, but I didn't know about the details. Can you talk a bit about what you found just for people that don't know? Because I think there was like a discrepancy as we were talking about what the woman experienced and what she said she experienced compared to what he remembered that day. So it, was, it made it even more complicated because I think there was like, there was just a lot to that case. But can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I know we talked about that at dinner. So what I saw online, so the case was in 2003. The case came out in 2003 and the charges were dropped. The case was dismissed. But what came out of that was that their perceptions of what happened were different. She said she was raped. Her, perce- her perception, her perspective, her narrative is that she was raped. His narrative, his perspective was that it was consensual. What we know now in 2020, in the era of Me Too, things may have gone a lot differently for him had this happened in 2020. Oh, for sure. Right? But what we know, regardless of what that outcome was, is that her perception was that it was not consensual. Her perception is that it was rape. And so for her, he will always be her rapist. Mm. And if you are a survivor of any type of assault, it is extremely complicated in terms of forgiving or moving forward or moving on or forgetting the person who assaulted you. And so, you know, some of the stuff that I was seeing online from survive from other survivors is, you know, things of it's okay for people to have whatever feelings they are having. And they are absolutely right that when someone dies, your feelings are going to be complicated. And for some people, for some survivors, they may be happy that their perpetrator is no longer alive and they are not wrong in having those feelings. Socially, that's not how we're conditioned to think. We're conditioned to think that we should want everyone to be alive, right? We shouldn't wish death on anybody, but that's not the reality. The reality is that some people, particularly some some survivors, may truly be happy when the person who assaulted them is no longer alive. And they can still simultaneously be sad for that person's family. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think it's complicated. And I think that this is a time where we can have a variety of feelings that can potentially conflict with each other and we can have them simultaneously. And so a few things that come up for me would be the victim. Like, 
I can only imagine what she's going through and what other sexual assault survivors are going through when you see this person's name all over and it's kind of like you're being triggered again, right? Because everyone may be praising this person and you're just remembering and reliving the events that you've experienced, right? That's one thing. There's another feeling of just sadness that a life was lost, right? A child, children lost their lives, right? Other people lost their lives. And it's just sad, you know, in general, when you think about the folks that are impacted by that loss directly and even fans, right? That's sad. I think there's another part where you're thinking, you know, when is the right time to bring something up? You know, like, and and I think about myself, like if I were to do something And I guess it's different, right? This is totally different. So let me just say this is not, this is like apples and oranges here, but I just think about it from a personal level on if I were to make a terrible mistake in my life and then I died, even though I've done a lot of great things after that incident. And that was the first thing people brought up. It's like, damn, you know, is you think about legacy, right? Right. It's like, damn, there's another thing that comes up for me around when do you forgive? And if you should forgive, right? It's just a question. Like, when do you forgive? And do they even deserve forgiveness? Like, that's complicated. And I think the last thing for me is this sort of, It's this is complicated too. It's like this, I don't know if I'd say obligation, but this sensitivity when it comes to Black men and feeling this need to protect Black men at all costs. I think many Black women have this feeling It could be based on our upbringing. It could be based on slavery. It could be based on the predicament of black men in America or in the world. But, you know, even if a black man does something wrong, protect him at all costs, right? And is that healthy to have that feeling of when he's wrong? I'm talking not just Kobe Bryant, but like the men in your family, right? Men that are, that are in your family or that are in your, you know, that are in your world that may have violated women or that may have, you know, done wrong. You want to protect them, even though you're like, I know he's wrong and he should pay for what he did, but I still feel this need to protect. There's just so many different feelings and emotions that come up. And I think it's important to know that don't judge yourself for having these feelings. Like, it's okay. It's normal. This is a part of the human experience to, to be faced with complicated emotions. I don't think there's anything wrong about the way that people feel as individuals. I think that... Us as society, I think we have to do a better job of processing and showcasing feelings on social media, you know, because I think that oftentimes people will post things and it could traumatize someone else. And so this is a complicated situation. That's really all I can say. It's a complicated situation with a lot of emotions for many people. There's this concept called hagiography that essentially means that when someone dies, we kind of elevate them into like this saintly status that we may forget all of the negative things about them and almost kind of make them into this a saint, mm-hmm. like someone who did absolutely no wrong, who was perfect in every way. You witness it at funerals all the time. You ever gone to a funeral and they're up there reading the obituary and you're like, man, Uncle Jim was a damn, he was an evil man. He was so mean. Or Aunt Susie, she was so rude. Like you just, you you know the essence of a person and that's not necessarily presented when they pass away. But it's like, I don't know. It's It's not right, but it's like, what do you do? I don't know. Well, some of that is based on Christian upbringing, mm-hmm. right? Because so think about it from this perspective. 
if you come from a Christian upbringing, then we're taught that there's a heaven and a hell. And those who do well, who do right, are going to heaven. And those who don't are going to hell. So in our way of coping, if we admit that Uncle Jim was doing all of these evil things to people, then if we like really acknowledge that and really own up to that and put that side by side with our belief in heaven and hell, then what we're saying as we're sitting in his funeral is that, oh shit, Uncle Jim might be going to hell. And I don't want to think about him possibly going to hell. So I'm going to focus on the good stuff that he did. Mm, that's a good point. Um, and if I'm focusing on the good stuff that he did, then my spirit can be at ease. My spirit can be at rest because I'm thinking about him being in heaven and I don't have to worry about him potentially being in hell. And this everlasting pit of fire. Like when you compare it like that, it's just like, well, damn, it seems like everyone's going to heaven when you go to their funeral, right? Right. If that's what you believe. And so, yeah, this is just tricky stuff. I feel like we, I feel like if, if you don't take anything else away from this episode, just knowing that there's no wrong way to feel. I feel like we just want to judge everything and we feel like everything has to be black and white, but you can kind of be in the gray area in the middle. You can feel conflicting emotions simultaneously. And I think that's important to realize. And I found this interesting article and it talks about six steps to mindfully deal with difficult emotions. Mm -hmm. So I just want to share some things really quick. And so the first one says, turn toward your emotions with acceptance. So just be aware of them and identify what you sense in your body. And let yourself that acceptance piece is about knowing, like just allowing yourself to feel it, right? So whatever it is that's coming up, Accept that this is what you're feeling. Sit with it for a moment to kind of and slow it down to kind of acknowledge that, hey, this is what's going on. I know for me personally, mm -hmm. sometimes I have a tendency if I'm like if the feeling comes up and it feels like it's inconvenient, an inconvenient time for the feeling to be coming up, then I may push it away. Right. But in that moment, it's important to truly just let yourself to slow down. And let yourself feel whatever it is, whatever that feeling may be. If it's anger, let yourself feel that anger and kind of try and tap into and explore. Just spend, spend a few minutes kind of exploring. Wait, why is this bringing up anger in me right now? Like for me, when I was hit, when I was getting the news and I found myself crying and I'm like, I'm not even a Kobe fan. Why am I crying? Like I let myself like have those tears and and literally asked myself that question. Wait, what is it about what's happening right now that's causing me to cry right now? And before I go into number two, Dom, you actually kind of touched on it just a little bit. But before I go into number two, I just want to share something I shared on my Instagram because I just saw so many nasty, mean posts online where it's just like, y'all, timing, okay? Timing, my G, like timing is everything, right? Yes. And so all I said was, you never know how a legend has impacted the life of another person. You don't know 
You don't need to know Kobe Bryant or his daughter personally to be impacted by this tragedy. Be respectful and kind. Hug your loved ones and let them know how you feel about them. Life is precious. And I wrote that because people were like, you don't even know this person. But it's like, you don't have to. I remember when, you know, I watched the Selena, you know, Mm -hmm. Selena, the movie. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite movies. J-Lo did an amazing job playing Selena. And that was sad. Like, I cried when a lot of celebrities die because you feel connected to them. You feel connected to their artwork, right? And so it's like, don't let people shame you for feeling bad or sad for someone that you never even met. Like, that's just, we're human beings, okay? So that's just weird for people to even say that and, like, to judge people. Like, you don't have to meet people just to feel connected to them, you know? It's just mean. And I think the other thing with that, too, is that if we find ourselves feeling sad about a celebrity, part of, again, like, asking ourselves, why are we feeling this way? Like, is it that we're connected through their art, Mm -hmm. you know, Is it that they remind us of someone else in our life and that's what's bringing up the emotion? Interesting. Is it that it's making us think about our own current circumstances and that's bringing up the emotion? Or is it that it's a reminder of a tragedy that we may have recently experienced And like whatever it is, it's okay for us to tap into that and kind of try to acknowledge what it's what's coming up for us. Exactly. I agree. Number two is identify and label the emotion, which I think you pretty much touched on. Number three is accept your emotions. Number four is realize the impermanence of your emotions. And so even if the emotion feels overwhelming, remember that it will pass, you know, time does heal most things, as they say. One of the things with that is 90 seconds. Give yourself 90 seconds to feel that emotion. And like, just let it out. Like if those tears are coming or if that burst of anger is arising, give yourself 90 seconds to experience it. And you will see that it will start to fade. And if it doesn't start to fade, then that's a signal to yourself that there are some things there that you need to kind of process. Number five is inquire and investigate, which I think you've covered as well, like asking yourself those questions like, what's coming up for me? What triggered me? Why do I feel this way? And number six is let go of the need to control your emotions. Be open to the outcome of your emotions and what unfolds. And I would also add to that to take care of yourself through all of that. No matter what the emotions are that may be coming up for you, know that that can be draining and exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so let make sure that you're getting rest. Make sure that you are also like after you're letting yourself experience the emotions, that you're doing things to pour into yourself. So whether that's making sure you get some extra sleep, whether that is unplugging from social media, distracting yourself temporarily by like, doing things that are fun and exciting, right? Figuring out what it is that you have to do to pour into you to make yourself feel good after you have experienced the emotions. And I think the key there is doing this after because we want to make sure that you don't deny yourself that opportunity to experience the emotions. 
And lady, as you're processing these emotions, we do have some resources in the show notes. So one, there's a book on death and dying, what the dying have to teach doctors, nurses, clergy, and their own families. And so that's a book that we have there. And I also shared the smudge kit sticks that I use when I personally just clear my energy in general when I'm praying and meditating. This is just a personal ritual that I have. And this also made me think about the concept of legacy videos, which we talked about in season three, episode 10. And so that episode is called A Fresh Perspective on Death You Need to Hear. It was a very, I think, positive and lighthearted episode that we had. You don't usually hear such a joyful sort of vibe when you're talking about death, but that's a really good episode that I think we had together, Dom. So I would definitely check that out, lady. And maybe we should do a quick recap on all of the tips that we have covered today. So you can write them down if you're listening to us and you have your pen and paper, or if you're on the go, maybe you can just make a mental note. So there are some key takeaways that Dom will share, and then I'll go over the six steps to mindfully deal with difficult emotions. So the first thing, and we I've stressed this throughout the episode today, is to feel all of the feelings and know that whatever they are, they are valid. Be kind to yourself. So don't place any judgment on whatever it is that you may be thinking and feeling, know that it's all okay. Step away from social media, from the news, from anything that may feel like it's becoming too much information. Set boundaries with those around you so that you can get what you need. So if the people around you are engaging in the conversation about death or about Kobe or, you know, losing a loved one in general. And you know that in this moment, it's not a good moment for you to talk about it. Set that boundary and walk away from that conversation. Let them know that now is not the time for you. Also, though, if it on the reverse of that, if it is time or you're needing time, Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself and say, hey, support system, where you at? I'm calling you in. I need some help. I need someone to listen to me. I need someone to take the kids for a little while. I need to take a day off from the job. Whatever it is, don't be afraid to set your boundaries, reach out to your support system. And then the last tip that I have is to utilize whatever resources you have around you like therapy. So if you know that you are having a harder time grieving or you know that this is bringing up things for you that maybe you're realizing now that, oh, wait, maybe I haven't processed what I needed to process from five years ago or two years ago, reach out to your therapist. And if you need a therapist, be sure to check out our resources because we have multiple links for how to find a therapist in your area. And just to revisit the six steps to mindfully deal with difficult emotions. Number one is turn toward your emotions with acceptance. Number two, identify and label the emotion. Number three, accept your emotions. Number four, 
Realize the impermanence of your emotions. Number five, inquire and investigate. And number six, let go of the need to control your emotions. I'm going to close us out with a quote from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who wrote the book on death and dying, which we will have a link for in our show notes. The reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same. Nor should you be the same, nor would you want to be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at her Space Podcast, or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. There's something inside of me that's bigger than any obstacle. We'll see you next week, lady.